we just thank you, Lord, that we live with such expectation of who you are and who you're going to be in our world. You're going to be, you're going to be magnificent. And all the calamity and destruction, the devil has made a mistake. He has made a mistake because he is messing with the church. And the church will rise up and rise up in power and anointing and stand before the forces of hell and command the walls to come down in Jesus' name and life to come in the name of Jesus. And everybody who believed that said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, pick up your Bibles. Let's make our confession. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Well, are you ready for the word? Amen. This is part three of a three-part series on revelation of freedom. Now, I believe that the youth have experienced it, so they know. Uh, Amy said in the first service, you know, when you're in the presence of God, she and Tom were on this trip, and when you're in the presence of God, you become free. It just happens. It just happens. Well, how does that happen? Because where the glory is, nothing else can reside. And when you get in that presence, you begin to worship. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. It's just what he does. But I want to really assure you today that God has brought you to this place in the earth as a believer to enforce the victory. Everybody say enforce the victory. And I've preached lots of messages on enforce the defeat. And that is a part of it. But I felt like God said to me, Let's do enforce the victory and get our eyes off the devil and get our eyes on what God can do. Amen. Because God is big. He is awesome. The devil, when you talk about God, the devil's authority shrinks. When you talk about the enemy, his, you know, he kind of gets lifted up and gets some praise. And don't we know he loves a lot of praise? Just look at, you know, how he's destroyed lives. That's all so he can get some glory. But I tell you, our God is more magnificent than anything the devil's ever thought up. And he has the power he has put in us to cause us to become victorious. And that is the revelation of freedom. You walk free. The first message we did last Sunday was called Living Dead. How many of you were here for that message? I know it sounds confusing, but I believe when you get that revelation, you're able to live dead. Live dead to those things that are controlled by your flesh. And then the one on Wednesday night was Escape Corruption. How many of you believe there's corruption in the world? We live in a corrupted world. We live in a perverted world. We live where things that were right are now wrong and things that were wrong are now right. And the enemy has so uh, had such an ability to seduce even the body of Christ into a position where we believe that truth is a lie and lie is a truth. And, and in, in some instances, people are operating on things that are going to cause them to have total destruction in their lives. And they think they're doing the right thing. That is a sorry place for people to be. And, and as, as the body of Christ, we're here to bring truth. We're here to bring life. And the Bible says in John 8, Jesus said, if you are my disciples and you're in me, that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Everybody say, make you free. See, it, you know, there's a setting free when you're born again. But the truth of the word of God makes you live free. The promises of God we talked about on Wednesday night. It says in Second Peter chapter, two, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, that it's his exceeding precious promises that cause us to escape corruption. Everybody say, cause me. See, that means they make you 
escape corruption. Not you escaping corruption, but the promises make you escape corruption. How many of you have ever said, I just wish that there was some way this could happen in my life? There is. When you put God's word first, it makes you free. And the Bible goes on in John 8 and says, he whom the son sets free is, everybody say free indeed. That means that there leaves no doubt in your mind, you are free. And yet I see in the body of Christ, many, many believers who begin to believe the lie the enemy wants to tell them. And it's based on a truth of what their flesh wants to do or their flesh likes to do. And we all have been there, you know, before we're born again, we just live by the flesh and the mind gets in agreement with the flesh. And then we do those things. And then we wake up and, you know, we find out, wow, that wasn't the best decision, but we have no power to be free until we receive Christ. And then once we receive Christ, we're a new creation. All things have been made new. Old things are passed away. What does that mean? That means you no longer are subject to the bondage or the slavery of sin. And we're going to talk about that today a little bit further and take it even a step further. You are no longer under the law. Everybody say the law. And I'm going to explain that to you today. And I believe it will set you free in your mind and give you revelation that you'll be able to operate in. I thank God for Acquire the Fire. Uh, Ron Luce, years ago when we were in Tulsa, came in my husband's office. At that time, Pastor Bill was director of the Bible school. And Ron Luce was there and he came in and sat down and told Pastor Bill his vision for youth. That was a lot of years ago. And Pastor Bill encouraged him, well, go for it. You know, that vision was for an appointed time. And today, our young people in this church are reaping the harvest and have been reaping the harvest of what that young man came in Pastor Bill's office all those years ago in the Bible school and told him he was going to do. Don't give up on your ideas. They could be God. Amen? They could be God. And they could be for a time that you haven't seen yet. But how many of you believe that we're in a generation that needs what Ron Luce is giving these young people? The name of this conference was Collision, Mending the Broken Hearts. How many of you believe when you look at the young people today that they have many collisions? Many of those have caused them to have wounded hearts that only God, only God can fix. In fact, they don't even tell their parents. They tell their friends. And how many of you know friends are in the same place and friends can't always help you out. They can sympathize with you and they can cry, on, cry with you and all those things. But only Jesus, everybody say only Jesus, can set a person free. And, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to set people free. But we have to live free to set people free. And if you'll turn to Romans chapter 6, I want to read to you what it says. In Romans, I would challenge all of you. You know, we're in that season of Lent. You know, um, Fat Tuesday was this past week. In, uh, in down in there in New Orleans, and it's celebrated all over the television. And, uh, but they don't really, you know, they don't emphasize what the, what's coming after Fat Tuesday. They just emphasize Fat Tuesday. But we know what came after their Fat Tuesday was Lent, which is that is a season in the Catholic Church where, you, you know, they, they give up something. They give up something. Well, I'd like you to add something to your life, and that is that you would take the Word of God in the book of Romans and the book of Hebrews and make that a priority to get through in the next six weeks before Easter because it will change your life forever. It's the covenant you live in. It tells you who you are. It explains to you the old covenant and the new covenant, and it will take you out of bondage totally 
into this place that we're talking about of freedom. And this is what it says in verse, we're going to start with Romans 6, 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves. Now, what that means is you make a decision to recognize that in your flesh, you are no longer operative. You're no longer in that realm. You've been translated out of darkness into light. And now you operate by the spirit and not by the flesh. So you reckon yourselves. That means you have to, you have to acknowledge that. You have to make that decision every single day that you're going to live there. And then it says you're alive to God, but you're dead to sin. Everybody say, I'm dead to sin. And now right now you're thinking, she just doesn't know what I do. I'm telling you, there's not a person on the face of the earth that the devil is not trying to tempt into something. We all sit here as targets of a devil who wants to destroy your life. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory to live in on a daily basis. So we are alive to God. Everybody say, I'm alive to God. Live to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. This next verse, very important. It's, it's the whole, uh, whole foundation for the message today. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. That's you. It will not have dominion over you. Doesn't say it won't come. Doesn't say the opportunity won't be there. Just says it will not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. You know, when you get a revelation of this, your life will be liberated. Uh, The law that was given in the old covenant, it's called the law of sin and death. Everybody say sin and death. Well, why would it be called the law of sin and death? Because sin still had dominion over mankind, and the result of sin was death. And that Ten Commandments that we see on the wall, that they're trying to get off the walls, that that was only a moral code set by God to show people they could not live that life unless they had God. It wasn't to judge. It wasn't to say, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this. But how is it taken? It's taken as you can't do this and you can't do this. And so the people that are doing that want to take it off the wall. So nobody's saying you can't do this and you can't do this. Or you should do this and you should honor God and all those things. So they want to rip it off the wall. Well, you'll never rip out of the earth the power of a living God. You can take it off the walls all day long. All that was was God's mercy to show them they needed God. That's all he wanted them to say is you need me. And if you have me, then you have the ability to overcome. But it didn't work. Everybody say it didn't work. And so God in his mercy issued a new way. Everybody say a new way. And that is, it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, that God wrote his laws in our heart. Everybody say in our heart. In our heart. In other words, the living God lives in you and you in him every day. Whether you're singing to him or not, he is there. I said in the first service, when you sing and praise him, it says he inhabits the praises. That means he sits down in fellowship with you. You know who's the biggest blessing? Who receives the biggest blessing in praise? Not God, you. Because at that point, you're acknowledging everything that's in him. And you connect with him. He is always there for you. He is always with you. Even when you sin, yes. Even where you were yesterday, yes. Even when you got upset this morning, yes. Hallelujah. I'm surely going to hit where somebody's living today. Because sin is in the world. 
but we're not in the world. I mean, we're in it, but we're not of it. See, and what does that mean? All of that's so hard sometimes to understand. You tell somebody, well, you're in the world, but you're not of it. Uh, really? What does that mean? That means you don't have to live under the bondage of the law because you're under grace. You know what grace is? God's ability working through you. Unmerited favor. How many of you deserve a little unmerited favor? How many of you will take it? Unmerited favor. We don't deserve any favor, but unmerited favor means you don't deserve it, but it's yours. In other words, it's grace. It's God's loving you so much that he makes a way for you, even in your worst time in your life, even when you're doing the most wrong thing. It says in Romans chapter 8, it's just one page over in my Bible if you want to turn there. And I believe this is where a lot of Christians live, not just the world. The world lives under condemnation because they have no way of escape. But we do not live under condemnation. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now how much condemnation? How much? None. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You know, I used to think that meant, well, if you don't do anything wrong and you do everything right, then you won't have condemnation. That's not what that means. It means when you do not acknowledge your flesh and you only acknowledge the truth of where you live, then condemnation will never come near you. What do you do? What happens if you do something wrong? You're convicted, but you're not condemned. If today you're sitting here and you feel condemned, you're living after the flesh. You haven't died in that arena of saying, I no longer want to live by my flesh. I want to live by the spirit. And that's what God did. He made you free. What does that mean? You are no longer subject to what the enemy can do. If you choose, if you reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ, Now, this will really help you if you're sitting here today. Be quick to repent because conviction brings a want to. How how many of you have ever had the want to? But the devil says, but you're just a mess. You'll do that again. Everybody say condemnation. But God says, let me help you. Come over here to me. I remember when I was making messes all the time. You know, when you're first born again, you make lots of messes because your spirit is alive, but your flesh is still just goofy. And, uh, you know, I, I, God told me not to do something. I repented, and I thought I was doing better, and then I did it again. Now, this probably doesn't apply to any of you. You've probably never done something twice wrong, but I did. And so when I did that, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I did it again. I thought that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And you know what I heard? And you can discount that if you want, but it helped me. The Lord said to me, it's okay. I'll, I'll help you again. Just repent, and we'll try again. Well, now, I'm telling you, that's a good sign. Because I knew if I missed it twice, I might miss it three times. And you know what? Same thing. He said, I'm going to help you live free. I will help you live free. What's the key? You don't live under condemnation. You don't live after your flesh. You do not recognize your flesh. And this is what it says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who walk in Christ who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the spirit, the law of the spirit, everybody say the law of the spirit is life in Jesus Christ. It it is uh, the spirit of life in Christ. Jesus has made us. He's made you. What has he made you free? Did he make you free from the law of sin and death? What that means is it doesn't mean that you take the commandments off the wall and ignore them. 
It just means you have the power to live it. That's what it means. It's no longer condemnation. How many of you, when you're first saved, pick up the Bible and then you get condemned because you weren't living like that? You know what that means? You just haven't grown enough in the word to have your foundation in being alive to God and you're still in the flesh. And so your flesh rises up and says, that's you. You're really pathetic. See, that's the flesh. Everybody say, that's the flesh. God doesn't talk like that. That's not the way he talks. And he would say, yes, you did it again, and my mercy is extended to you. Repent and come back to me quickly before the devil gets a hold in that area of your life. There's a big difference. But see, if you live in the flesh, you're going to fall for the lie. You're going to go after what the devil said, and then you're going to start trying to make yourself perfect. How many people do we have who've tried to make themselves perfect? Oh, I was a big one, you know. But you can't make yourself perfect. Your perfection is done by grace. It's God. It's Christ in you. And then it says, for what the law could not do. Everybody say the law couldn't do it. And turn to your neighbor saying, neither can you. In that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh. Where does sin come to us? In the, in the, in the flesh. The devil will try to convince you that that is you. If you are born again, that is not you. That is your flesh. And your flesh is dead. Now, it, it, resur- it wiggles. It resurrects. You know, here it comes. You can feel it. And then you have to say, sit down. Sit down. I'm living by faith and not by sight. I'm alive unto God, and I'm dead to that. And you have to keep telling your body. How many of you know you have to tell your body? Like, how many of you want a cookie? And God said, don't go get that cookie. You already made a commitment, and you're not going to eat cookies. And then your flesh goes, I want a cookie, I want a cookie, I want a cookie. And your mind says, well, I I think a cookie might be a good idea. And then your spirit man rises up and renews your mind. No, that's not a good idea. And then your mind starts wavering. And then the Holy Spirit just keeps nudging you. Don't get that cookie. Don't do it. And finally, your mind says, you know what? We're not living after that anymore. Flesh, shut up and sit down. We're not having a cookie. Amen? And that's how it works. There's too many people in the body of Christ who are saying, I need somebody to lay hands on me to get me delivered. That takes this long. I can't snap over here, by That long. What's hard, the fight of faith, of telling your body, you are dead and I am alive unto God and don't be talking and don't be speaking to me like that. I do not want a cookie and everything. And you're saying, yes, I do, yes, I do, yes, I do, yes, I do. But you're saying no. That's just a simple thing. But that's how people get into horrible situations. And then the condemnation comes. You shouldn't even have a thought about a cookie if you're a Christian. You know, God already told you you couldn't have a cookie. Why are you thinking about a cookie? That's not really God. You're not really in God. Blah, 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 blah. That's the devil. And you, that's the accuser of the brethren. And you aren't one of those brethren anymore that believe the lie of the devil. You're a brethren because you belong to God. And you are dead in the flesh and you are alive unto God. And you have the victory. And what the flesh couldn't do and what sin had dominion over you and you couldn't do, God did. I just read it. By the blood of Jesus Christ. And that makes you in the revelation of freedom. That puts you in a position of authority, not just freedom. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's look. Let's go. uh, Let's read one more part of this. It says, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending Jesus. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law, there was a requirement that had to be filled. Sin had to be taken care of. But only blood takes away sin. 
not performance, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Second Corinthians 5, 16 says, no, no man after the flesh. If we start living like that, starting with ourselves, we will also be able to walk with others the way God said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you love the person that belongs to God, not that old man that does those crazy acts up every now and then and starts wiggling under your, you have to get him down again. Not that, but if you love God, you will love people because you'll no longer see people by the flesh. How many of you have looked at people and said, well, they should, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, that's not how God sees it. God sees it like this. I need to pray for them. They're really struggling. They're in a battle with the devil. And he isn't going to win because I can see. Because I live dead to my flesh. And so my flesh isn't judging their flesh. Because flesh judges. The spirit never judges. Doesn't it say it? Judge no one lest you be judged. Hallelujah. That's a little wake-up call. And we won't even go there. It might have happened in your life. Repent. Here we go. Um, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 3. There is, no, there is now no condemnation. No, there is now. What does that mean? Once you know Christ, now. Okay, so Galatians 3, let's say it like this. How many of you have ever had somebody say, well, that's the curse? Or you've said, boy, you know, I feel like I'm cursed in that area. There, there are people who live under a curse. And there are people who believe in God who live under the curse. Because they don't recognize that the curse has no right to their life. It has no right. And I'll read it to you right here. It says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, 13. Let's start 13. Christ has redeemed us from the... He has redeemed us from the... That means he bought us back. There's no ability for the curse to be on our lives. It says in the Bible, the curse causeless does not come. And so the enemy immediately says, well, you're failing in that area, so you've done something wrong. And as soon as he says wrong, you're in condemnation because you receive, "Uh uh-oh, I did something wrong. I got to figure out how to fix that. And God says, no, 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 no. Live dead, live dead, live dead. You who live dead, repent. God, I forgive me. I must have done, I I made a wrong decision. Just show me. And he'll show you. And immediately the curse is stopped. The curse is on the law. The curse is not in the spirit. The curse causeless cannot come. Why? Because you walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. And this is why in the church, many people are in bondage because the, the, we talked about it last week. God wants to, us to surrender every area of our life, not to make us miserable, to bring us into a place where the curse has no place to attach to in our lives. And all we have to do is say, no, I'm not wrong. I was, I was caught for a minute in the lie of the devil. But in my heart, I love God. Is there anybody in here who hates God and just came to church because you hated him today? Not a one. Every one of you sitting here love God. Or you wouldn't be here. And if you're here and don't know God, you're seeking after the love of God. That's why you're here. And and, and so, do you think God's going to be judging you where you're sitting today? Or is he trying to pull you by his love? Is he seeing you for who he created you to be? Or is he seeing you in your mess? You know, some people act like God can't see their mess. God sees everything. But the devil separates you from God by reminding you of your mess. And God says, that's not necessary. I forgive you. Just come in here and let me help you. Stay free. Be free. And so it says, no one, in verse 11 of Galatians 3, no one, 
no person is justified by the law in the sight of God. In other words, there is no way to ever be good enough to be justified by God. So give it up. See, this isn't about coming to church to learn to be good. Because a lot of people leave church feeling bad about themselves because they go out condemned. Have you ever heard this message? There's none righteous. No, not one. And we'll meet here next Sunday. You go home and fix whatever mess you got going on because you know you're not righteous because there's not one that's righteous. Everybody say, that's the law. That's the best it could be till Jesus died for you. And then right after that, it all changed. Because this is what my Bible says, and I'm going to read it to you. I didn't read it in the first service, but it's so good, I have to read it to you. It says, but now, everybody say now. There's that word again, now. The righteousness of God apart from the law. Everybody say apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all in all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned. That's a truth. And fall short of the glory of God. That's the truth. See, that's the old covenant. But if you leave them in the pit, they can't get free because their flesh can't make them free because it never could and it never would. And God said so. And God gave a new law. And it was this. Being, being justified. Everybody say justified. Freely. Freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Praise Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are righteous. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean you do everything right. That just means that by the blood of Jesus, you have been made justified and you have been made righteous. And that's why we rejoice when we come to church. We come in praising God. You know, whatever we get in here is just the added blessing. We just come because we want to give thanks to God that we're still here. And he's still for us. And nothing has changed because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. I'll tell you, if you start there, it's a lot easier to get people freer. But if you got to go back through all that muck again, bring them back out all that condemnation, you know, we don't have time in 30 minutes to get that whole done sometimes. See, these youth came in here ready to receive today because they've been in the presence of God because they've been living alive for several hours. You know, Tom said they sang to him all the way home, and, you know, he was, he was, he was driving, but they were still singing. They hadn't stopped singing until they got them home. Well, that's because... They love God. They, they connected with the Spirit of God. You are connected with the Spirit of God 24-7. The blessings of God are on your life. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are, blessed. you are blessed. Even when you don't believe you're blessed, you're blessed. Amen? Third John 2. Beloved. Beloved. That's God speaking to his people in the New Covenant. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper. First Samuel 2-4. That's not it. Okay, here we go. Beloved, I pray. That was something about a kettle. I don't know. We'll go there another day. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Amen? Now, I just want to share with you. I read in Numbers this week in my Bible reading about a king named Balak, and then there was Balaam, this prophet, and he, he said, I got to go get Balaam to come over here and curse these Jews and these Israelites because I'm telling you, God is on their side, and the only way to stop them is to curse them. Well, that's, that's the way the devil lives every day. He's out there trying to find a way to curse you. But God has already determined you blessed the day you got saved. You may not see it fully, but he determined it that day. The day you received Christ, you became 
in that covenant, the blessing of Abraham is upon you. That's what it said when we read Galatians 3. So you're walking blessed, even though you may not be experiencing the fullness of that blessing. Balaam came, and, and he tried to curse those Israelites three times. And every time he went to curse them, he blessed them. Well, this king just really got upset with him. He said, you know, you shouldn't even have bothered. I mean, every time you get up there, you're supposed to curse them, and you bless them. And it says that Balaam in the Message Bible, Balaam kind of got the idea that God wanted to bless him. (laughs) Yeah, maybe so, you know, after three times. And so when he blessed him that third time, that king got so mad at him, he said, we're not even paying you for doing this anymore because you didn't do it. And he said, well, how can I do what God hasn't done? I told you that in the beginning. I can't do what God hasn't done. And God hasn't cursed them. He's blessed them. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. When he said, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers, what he was saying is this. When you wake up, when your soul, this mind of yours, gets renewed to the truth of what happened at Calvary, that you were made a new creation, that nothing is impossible to you because you walk with God, that you do not walk by the flesh, that you do walk by the spirit, and you get a revelation of the truth of that, you are free. You are free. And when you become free like that, you have authority. Everybody say authority. It goes from just you being free to you being able to bring freedom into other people's lives. It brings the ability into your life of the anointing and power of God that when you walk in, things change. That's why God said today, have those young people do what Dan just said with their hands. Have them lay hands on people. How intimidating is it for you as adults to lay hands on people? Think how intimidating it will be for young people to lay hands on people. Now, when you're in the crowd that believes like you, it's a little easier. But still, when they tell what happened to them, there's going to be people that go, yeah, right, sure. And as a young person, think back when you were young. How quick would you be if you don't live in this place, if you don't dwell in this place, if you don't walk in this place of understanding of your freedom, you will be backed down by the enemy when you run into him. He will back you down. But when you know you're free, because he'll have something to accuse you of. How many of you believe you're going to live today and you're not going to do one thing wrong all day just because you are good? I mean, I've been to acquire the fire. I'm good. You probably already maybe had an opportunity to get upset. Huh? (laughs) I understand. I've been there. But this is the key. But it's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who's living in me. And so I'm, I'm ready at any minute to give life because I live life. And it's not about that I did something wrong last week, which the devil would love to remind you of, because that's under the blood. Hey, I'm here, and I I belong to God. And the life I live, I live by the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. And so I can give you whatever you need. By the hand of God, it'll come into your life, and you will be made free. See, that's freedom. Everybody say freedom. How many of you thought, I would just love to witness to them, but they know what I did last week. I was, I was out in the neighborhood screaming at my kids in the yard. Now God says, go witness to the neighbor. Oh, dear Jesus. Hello, I'm the person next door that was yelling at the kids. You need Jesus. You know, I mean, and that's what he'll say to you. You know, that's what he'll do. But if you've taken care of that and you live free, yeah, you don't have a problem with that. Hey, you know, the other day when I was screaming at my kids, man, I just got in the flesh really big. But I'm telling you, I have an answer for you. And for me. (laughs) And I got it right after I screamed, but I'm here to deliver it to you, praise God. I want to close with this story. Our our son, Matt, who's a a pharmaceutical rep, and uh, he was out in uh, 
a training session in Seattle, and he went to work out. And, uh, and he was working out, and he saw this young man walk in, and he said, Mom, I knew right away. Uh, I, I just had this in my heart. He's gay, and he's Jewish. And he said, I, th- I felt really bad about myself because I thought, well, now you know you shouldn't be thinking those thoughts. But the man jumped on the machine. I'm just telling you, this is what's coming. And uh, this young man jumped on the machine beside him, and, and he, he, he said, Mom, I have never witnessed before for Jesus in public one-on-one. But, but he said, I know God gave me this opportunity. And, uh, and, and so I'm excited because I see God doing things. He's got it all in him, but now he gets to practice. You're going to get to practice. All of you, I'm just telling you that went, you're going to get to practice what you learned. And you're going to come up against things. And he jumped up on that machine. He's going, this guy's going. And he said, the guy began to talk and he began to talk. And, and he said, God, just give me an opportunity, you know, to talk. And this is what he came up with. He said to the guy, he said, uh, where are you from? And he said, I'm from San Francisco, California. And that said, I knew this, you know, he said, he told him where he had lived, but he moved there. He said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm from Tulsa. He said, now, you know, I'm from the middle of the country and you're from the far west. He said, that would mean probably that I'm a right wing conservative and you are a left wing liberal. And probably, he said, as a Christian, he said, I, uh, I don't believe that abortion is the answer. And probably over there where you are, you believe it is. And he said, yep, women should have a right. He said, yeah. He said, uh, I, 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 I know. And he said, we both have an opinion. He said, now maybe if we just kind of came together, we could find a way to. And he began to talk to him. He talked to him about compromise. But what he was really doing to this kid was sowing seeds of love. Everybody say love. How he loves us. How, he just began to. He didn't, he didn't alienate this guy. That, now this guy's really listening to him. He said, you're a Christian. He said, I, I'm a Jew. And I, but I do believe in God. And Matt said, I'm, I'm sure you do. And uh, he said, brother, he said, I make a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. So I'm not here to judge you in, in who you are or what you do. And the man, young man had said, and I'm gay. And Matt said, that's, you know, that's fine. He said, now as a Christian, uh, I don't really believe that that lifestyle is the lifestyle God has. And, and he said, but I was born this way. And he gave him the whole, and Matt listened to his whole spiel. I mean, he must have walked on that treadmill for a long time. And, uh, but, but, you know, he, he told him, he, you know, all about his life. And uh, Matt said, you know, but as a Christian, you know, now, now remember, I'm a, I'm a conservative right, right wing over here. And you're, he always brought him back to that. And he said, so uh, for me. I, I believe that, that God made us all in his image and that he made us perfect. And, and, and I, I would agree with the Bible that it's not the lifestyle God wants you to live. But listen, we all have a choice. And he said, and, and, and you know, I respect you. And, and I want you to know I've learned that God called me to do one thing, and that's to love people. This is where it comes. No, no man after the flesh. See, man is seeing his spirit. You see, in the heart of that, that man's going to hell without Christ. So God is looking way beyond what Christians, Christians tend to want to look at the sin. And God's saying, stop looking at the sin. Because you are not, you are not living there. You are living in freedom and they're bound. So go after their soul. Go after their heart. Go after what will help them. 
Long story short, he ended up, this guy said to him, well, you know what? He said, you're really nice. He said, I've never met a nice Christian. And he said, so I'm going to go back to California. He said, I'm going to tell my friends. And Matt said, I'm sure <laughs> it's a whole group of people that are snared in that lifestyle. Because those are, that's who he, he said, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of isolated to ourselves. And he said, I'm going to go tell them. I met a nice Christian. And you know what he told me? He told me his only job was to love me. And that everything that I decide is between me and God. Not between him and me and God, but between me and God. And he said he was going to pray for me. And he was going to be praying that my life would be blessed and that I would have all that I was supposed to have. He said, that's a nice Christian. And you know what the enemy came immediately to Matt and said? You didn't get him saved. He said, Mom, did I do wrong? Did I not do enough? He said, I thought God said to me, you just sowed the seed. I'm telling you, we have got to start being wise. Start being wise to what God is saying. And this message is truth. The revelation of freedom is you live dead. And when you see sin, it has no thing to come after in you. You are still free to see that person as Jesus sees them. You're still free to see yourself as God sees you. And I believe that we are going to have an opportunity. If we live dead to our flesh, your flesh will act up and then turn around and accuse somebody else of how bad they are. And don't anybody raise hands, but how many of you know that's true? You do something wrong, and then the devil shows you somebody did something more wrong, so you won't feel so bad about your wrong. And then you stay in bondage. And they're in bondage, and everybody's in bondage. But everybody's fine. We think. They think. But nobody's fine. Everybody's being pulled into hell or pulled into such a dis- devastation in their lives that they can't ever get free. There is a way. God has a way. And it's when we live dead, we escape corruption only because of the promises. There, but by the grace of God, go I. That's what that means. There, but by the grace of God, go I. When you live like that, you enforce the victory of Calvary. My son enforced the victory of Calvary that day in that room because he said to that devil, I will overcome you. He has said what Jesus said. I will overcome you because I love you and love will win. Let's stand together this morning. I pray love wins over your heart today. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.